0: American United has a convenient branch right at the VA Medical Center, along with eight other locations across Utah. As a member, our veterans get the best rates on loans and savings products. Learn more at amucu.org.
1: I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others, but life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact Cordell, Cordell.com. 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404.
0: Welcome to Myland Advisors. I'm Jess Larson. This is our innovation and leadership show. Today we've got part two of our interview with Jonathan Cottrell. He's the director of technology for Whiteboard. He's a podcaster, his, his show Developer T, which is T-E-A. His show Developer Tea has like 385 episodes, six million listens. He's a pilot, he's a musician.
1: I would say uh, the most useful and successful websites today are those that are willing to uh, to iterate quickly. Um, This is a huge value that we have at Whiteboard. Um, Iterating quickly, responding to the market immediately, right? And and this, this is, hear me very clearly. I don't mean changing your brand from one thing to an entirely different thing the next day. I mean expressing your brand in a fluid and dynamic way don't view websites as a delivered product, but rather as a organic platform.
0: This is another episode of our innovation and leadership series where we interview pro athletes, world-class musicians, CEOs, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. Before we get rolling, I want to invite you to get involved with Child Rescue, the charity our founder started. To learn more about them, just come to our website, iCollective.co, and check on the Child Rescue tab on our menu. Also, I want to talk to you about one of our show's sponsors. I met these guys back on episode six. CEO Zach Smith was telling me all about starting a skateboard company and how much he hated doing the bookkeeping uh, for a skateboard shop and how he really uh, got led to start this business, Bookly, that's a hybrid combining bookkeeping software and human services. And I'll tell you why I let him become a sponsor. It's because I use their service now. I don't love paying 50 bucks an hour for bookkeepers to do stuff that I know software could do way, way cheaper. But uh, I don't love bookkeeping at all. So I want a real live human who knows what they're talking about to help me with the stuff I don't understand. Uh, Probably the straw that broke the camel's back for me, though. The thing that put me over the top was that they could do my taxes and payroll also. Um, So totally suggest checking them out. Go to their website, bookly.co, and check out their flat rates. I've been super happy with them. So now on to today's episode, Jonathan. When we were finishing up the last episode, we were talking about the idea of becoming more self-aware um, as individuals. Uh, but I want to take it another direction. Thinking about the web and technology, and it's it's so ubiquitous in all of our lives. Um, and we all kind of, I think, all of us running organizations or in business, we we kind of watch some of the trends of what's happening or what's coming next, and you know, how much should I be investing in marketing automation or these kind of things, right? But where you're spending, you know, day in, day out, building these web apps, you know, inventing new cool websites, can you talk about what you see as the future of that in the next kind of year or two?
1: Sure, absolutely. Uh, I think that a, a colleague of mine said it recently very well. He said, you know, the moment that uh, that we Realized how different uh, a given product was. For example, the iPhone, when when it released, everybody was like, "Wow, this is this is a new." It kind of took us by surprise, right? I hate to use the iPhone because it's such a a overly used trope, but um, I think we're going to we're right on the cusp of experiencing the same thing, uh, or the same feeling rather, uh, but specifically dealing with uh, artificial intelligence, or maybe more appropriately. Uh, uh, assistive intelligence. So we've seen this with uh, things like Amazon Echo, we've seen it with things like um, like Siri, of course, uh, but it's going to become more and more involved in our lives, and this is going to extend to your digital products, and a lot of the things that we're used to, uh, like for example, uh, web design. Web design will become assisted, it already is now, but even more, it will become assisted by AI. What that means for you as a designer or what that means for you as a marketing a director or a, a copywriter, that's going to uh, – that's going it's yet to be determined. But there may be things like, for example, um, suggestive copy, right? Uh, and I'm not talking about like uh, suggestive copy. You mean like smart content where
0: it kind of knows who you are and it's, it's delivering stuff that's more relevant to you instead of just the same homepage to everybody? Is that –
1: it is it is very similar to that, yeah. So and, and it could be that uh, you know you have different ways of identifying what kinds of users there are that are using your site. And uh, you know we we've had this for a long time in really crude forms. For example, um, A/B testing and then automatically adapting websites. Right. We we, we mm. hopefully uh, most people have seen this. But it's basically uh, you run a a, a differential uh, uh, like copy. Let's say you have one piece of copy and then uh, another copywriter writes a second piece of copy for the same uh, purpose. And then you run that on your site and you effectively watch uh, percentages and engagement. And you can run these tests and eventually the winner takes over. It kind of evolves to be the best version, right? And these are things that are going to become more and more common and much more accessible.
0: So that's interesting. You know. You hear about these stories like an Upworthy or, or sites like this that have just become such huge sites across the internet, and they're just religious A-B testing of, hey, which headline is going to mm-hmm. get our emails opened? Which which headline is going to get people to click, right, and engage? And they just, yep, I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're like exhaustive on it, and yet look oh, at yeah. the incredible results they've got. So is anybody, like, are there firms that are already offering what you're talking about, or is that something that you think is coming, where- well, these are things the A/B that, A/B are, that are tools. Already, like, you know, the A-B testing where the human doesn't have to fix it later. The, just the system migrates to what the sure. higher one is. Is that exist now or is that something you think people will build?
1: It does exist now. There's a, a tool, the most I think the most popular one is called Optimizely. Um, effectively, and then there's another one, I think, a Visual Optimizer or something along those lines. Um, these are like plugins that you can use with WordPress. You know, these are very... Very much so available, and and if you think about it, it's you know it's not very complicated, right? You're effectively saying, okay, you know, flip a coin, okay, so heads or tails, and if you get heads, you get this piece of copy. If you get tails, you get this piece of copy. Now we're going to watch your behavior for the next couple of minutes, and if you click the buy button, then we're going to put a mark like a tally uh, under the heads column, mm-hmm. right, or under the tails column, whichever one you were served, and then eventually we're going to say, okay. How many people have flipped the coin? And then, uh, you know, if it's, a, if it's over, let's say, a, a certain threshold, a thousand people that have flipped this coin, now we're going to start preferring whichever one has a reasonable margin over the other. Now, if we have something that's really close, maybe we don't prefer it yet, right? Uh, but Optimizely does exactly this. And I'm pretty sure that uh, Visual Optimizer or something along those lines uh, does the right. same thing. This is exactly how machine learning uh, or, or some, f- some forms of machine learning actually works, by the way. Yeah.
0: So like example, Myland Advisors probably are two main disciplines that we're teaching is operational excellence, kind of like the lean Toyota production system, right? We're an affiliate of the, the people that invented the Shingo mm-hmm. Prize, the Shingo Institute, right? And then the other one is awesome. design thinking, right? The innovation world specifically, mm-hmm. we're, we're big fans of you know, IDEO and MIT and IBM's thoughts on design thinking, right? So ideally Mm -hmm. we have one version of the website which is really heavy on operational excellence. We're seeing if that produces better results than one that's heavier on design thinking, right? And the system picks Mm -hmm. the winner based on how people are actually interacting with the website instead of just how me and my team have a gut feel about what people will like, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, So, Well, I was going
0: to talk to you just about um design think like design thinking innovation ai and sensors like one of the things that we're working with some groups on is you know they look at staffing costs in a business right for some of them it's 50 60 percent of all expense for the entire company and yet they're like their analytics on people are pretty pretty low right they get a once 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 a year annual review piece of paper think you know it's like a lot of anecdotal stuff versus like some of these new products out that are like, you know, there's a little, there's a little screen by the door as staff are leaving at the end of the day, they just click. Was it a good day? Was it a bad day? You know? And Mm -hmm. these organizations that have, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands of staff across multiple countries, you know, their head business leaders have like a finger on the pulse of the whole business real time. Right. Sure. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts about how like the sensors and the internet of things and, um, you know, AI or machine learning will impact web design.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's start with kind of a scenario um, that I think would be important to your to your previous example of of the the clicking the button as you walk out. Um, let's imagine that you have a hundred people walking out that door, and uh, you're you're number one hundred, and you've watched everybody go before you. Let's say you know the a light turns green when they say yes. It was go- it was a good day. And 99 people clicked, it was a good day. Well, uh, psychology and and kind of rules of psychology, uh, not just theory at this point, it's pretty much proven that you're going to be pretty compelled (laughs) to also click that it was Mm. a good day, right? So uh, humans are hard is the point. Uh, Humans are very difficult to measure, to understand, because our minds are chaotic. And uh, the variables that go into measuring what a human thinks, especially, because we barely even know what we think, right? That's that's a compelling reality. That's a compelling truth. Um, a book that I would recommend on the subject, Thinking Fast and Slow, mm-hmm. if you haven't Daniel read Kahneman. it, uh, it's, yes, it's a requirement, <laughs> in my opinion, uh, for, for just humans in general. But uh, it really talks about understanding the fact that a lot of what you think is kind of out of your control some of it isn't is under your control. Uh, ultimately, it is all under your control to some extent because you are you, and your organics are controlled by you, but cognitively speaking, a lot of that stuff happens without you yeah, knowing, understanding it. our so,
0: biases and that kind of stuff.
1: Exactly, yeah, that's a great
0: yeah. No, it's a great example with a, a flaw in something like that if they're if they're watching what their coworker did, right? Ahead of time sure. that could be well, like a major skewing of the
1: data. It also it also kind of calls into question, uh, you know, if that data, when, when is that data, uh, best collected, right? Should we collect it during the day? Uh, because there's other in that same book, uh, he talks about the fact that we're, we tend to judge our experiences based off of the last thing that happened, uh, and an average between the last thing that happened and, um, the peak thing that mm. happened. Right. So, uh, for example, uh, one of, one of the, Uh, experiment experiments they conducted was the a cold hand experiment It's basically people putting their hands into extremely cold ice right Uh, for for a certain period of time and he he had one group that had it be extremely cold the whole time and then another group where he slowly pumped warm water in right and the second group uh, they kept their kept their hands in for 90 seconds longer than the first group now if you were to you know, look at the sum of all of the pain that each of these groups experienced, certainly the first group would be less pain, or uh, I'm sorry, yeah, less pain overall, and the second group would be more pain overall. However, when they were surveyed, uh, the second group said that they would prefer their experience more often than the first group, right? So it, it was, now that I'm thinking about it, it wasn't two groups, but it was two separate experiences for the same group. Uh, People said they would prefer redoing the second experience more than they would prefer redoing the first experience. It's a strange thing because our remembering brains and our experiencing brains are two different things. This is a a really compelling concept. Um, So again, measuring humans, extremely difficult to do and uh, still a good thing, um, to a, a good pursuit, but extremely difficult to do. So how that changes websites... Uh, really it's it's a good question because you know we're talking about analytics right we're talking about uh, quantifying behavioral science behavioral science so first we need to understand behavioral science and there's still a lot of work left to do in yeah. that Yeah
0: So um, <clears throat> what else do you see for the the future of web from either the future of web yeah, from a design standpoint from a tech standpoint mm-hmm. for I mean every one of us with an organization whether we're nonprofit for profit government we all have a website right thinking about the psychology of websites that are the most useful what are what are things that you think we should all be paying attention to or researching of the most you know the most useful the most successful websites today
1: i would say uh the most useful and successful websites today are those that are willing to uh to iterate quickly um this is a huge value that we have at whiteboard um iterating quickly, responding to the market immediately, right? And and this, this is, hear me very clearly. I don't mean changing your brand from one thing to an entirely different thing the next day. I mean, expressing your brand in a fluid and dynamic way. Don't view websites as a delivered product, but rather as a organic platform. So what that means is, if something changes, uh, don't don't get too tied up with uh, don't you know don't attach yourself to a specific version or a specific design so much so that you're unwilling to change. Change is such an important part of what the web is. Uh, if you think about the most visited websites, typically they're the ones that have a lot of change, right? Because we're attracted to the dynamic nature of these things. Um, yeah, so endorphin relief every you know, time
0: you check CNN or Facebook <laughs> from something right from exactly it's,
1: right exactly and and because you know we're we're used to the interface and that you know there's another lesson in there that uh, making something approachable uh, is you know maintaining a brand maintaining familiarity while changing content that's kind of that's kind of the goal here uh, so being adaptable being being adaptable being quick to change. Um, being able to, you know, capture behavioral data so that you know how to change. Those are really the two big pieces that I I see as important for, you know, uh, general content marketing, right? Uh, But also for for anybody who's looking to build a product, this doesn't just go for websites, it goes for every product you can imagine, right? Uh, Being responding to the market, being able to respond to it, it just so happens that digital is cheap to change, unfortunately, physical products are very expensive to mm. change
0: yeah so so narrowing that down, advice for non developers non designers you know as as we're leading organizations and we're thinking about a website that can be the most effective for us, how do we implement this being adaptive and and iterating w- what's a what's an example of like a systematic way you know should we be reviewing have a team that has a review every month what what's some examples
1: i think it's important to you know uh, one of the things we talk about is it's content delivery schedule so if you aren't creating new content on a regular basis then you're probably not going to see new engagement right uh, it, now this is slightly different for you know for example like a landing page uh, uh for a product or something like that but Assuming we're talking about marketing for an organization, a site that is marketing for an organization, um, if you aren't sharing new content, if you aren't creating new content, then it's difficult to continue changing, right? Because rewording the same things that you've already said uh, has a limited value, right? So once somebody has seen something that you've created, uh, re-engaging that same thing again is going to have extremely diminished returns and even more so the third time. Uh, so constantly create creating new uh, content, that's incredibly important. And so a very simple way is get stuff up on a block. This is so simple, it's something you're gonna hear every single time you listen to a podcast uh, like this, right? Um, it, it's not a secret. It's not a trick. It's simply content. Uh, I think the word blog is unfortunate because it has this kind of uh, like sticky stickiness to it that we don't like because it, it feels very uh, hacky um, uh, and it's old and, mm-hmm. and and it's a little bit antiquated. But you look at you look so at like, like a McKinsey, it, but...
0: who they rebrand it insights. Right. And all of a sudden it sounds, mm-hmm. yep. all, sounds yep. all of a sudden it sounds hoity-toity and right. Like, Oh, I wonder what that yeah, is. Exactly. If McKinsey has insights. Oh, yeah. Right.
1: Uh, it's a quarterly review or it's something. It's funny like though. That, right?
0: You just, if you just rebrand something, you know, the developer's journal, right. Developers right, journal right, quarterly. Exactly. <laughs> all of a sudden it's like, yeah, Oh, right. that's a thing, huh?
1: Right. So, right. Yeah. Tell me,
0: uh, tell me your opinion on this of a you know, I don't know, 99% of websites, the homepage is pretty much the same for the nine months until they do a web, you know, until they have their yearly web redesign, right? Like everybody, Mm -hmm. but, but versus like a Red Bull that, you know, the front page is the front page, you know, the homepage is new content every time you're going to it or like a Seth Godin who, you know, the first thing when you get there is whatever his, his latest post is, um,
1: yeah, he doesn't really have a homepage, right? does he?
0: So, talk talk to me about psychology there in your opinion of the Red Bull search so, versus, you know, m- most organizations homepage.
1: I think the most underserved page is the homepage. Uh and I don't mean served like from the server. I mean it's a blind spot for so many organizations uh and and development firms for that matter. A lot of people put a lot of weight on equally distributing our efforts across all of our pages. But if you put the the amount of weight that is probably appropriate, right, if you're statistically looking at how many people are coming into your website via the homepage, uh, a lot of times, unless you have some viral content, right, the, the, there's a few exceptions to this rule. But most of the time, in like 99% of the of the cases, most people are hitting your homepage. That is their introduction to your site, right? Um, and, and if you're putting, you know, one tenth or one twentieth of your energy into that homepage because you have 19 other pages that you're building, you are underserving your homepage. Period. So what I like to tell people is, you know, follow the data, right? So that means follow the engagement numbers. How are people engaging with your homepage? And then create something on your homepage that is a call to action. There's two very simple things: follow the data and create create a call to action on your homepage. You'd be surprised how many people make their homepage really more like an about page, right? Uh, so many times, and, and the and the reverse: uh, the about page very often should be the homepage. But um, so many people, unfortunately, they create the wrong uh, the wrong type of content for their homepage. And then when people visit it, they don't really know what to do next. It feels very uh, dull. It feels, um, you know, antiquated a lot of the time. Uh, another uh, another example of uh, good homepage changes is actually Adult Swim's website. They change it every single day, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a while since I saw it. But uh, the, the psychology aspect of this change, you know, it, it really depends on what you are building. So I'm not going to give you a, a, you know, heuristic rule of thumb uh, for that, because you know some some companies don't need an ever changing uh ever changing website right obviously red bull uh, they have at least somebody thinks and i assume that they're probably right um somebody thinks that changing their homepage regularly is a good thing that may not be the perfect answer for everyone but i can tell you that uh almost every single person who's listening to this you would benefit from having some kind of call to action on your homepage
0: well listen we appreciate All the time you spent with us today and just thinking about um, the move forward, you know, uh, you've done so much with cause marketing and and different things like this Um, for child rescue in just kind of a a one minute thing, like thinking about all the web work you've done for causes that make a difference. You know, our listeners know about our charity child rescue that tries to prevent child sex trafficking Um, thinking about, you know, where we've got, you know, we've got a pretty static, Homepage says every child deserves a childhood, right? And it scrolls down, talks about opportunity to help out with the Cusco orphanage or something like that. Can you give mm-hmm. me just one like one principle that when you start with a new cause-based group, hey, here's something to think about of the first words when somebody gets to your website, what do you what are you helping them out with psychology wise that we should think about at child rescue?
1: Selling is not a dirty word. <laughs> this is This is the most poisonous concept in nonprofit organizations. Selling is not a dirty word. Selling is understanding the human mind right if we were to uh if we were to reconfigure all of our sales language to say psychology or if we were to reconfigure it to say value delivery then then we would have no problem in this area or at least significantly less but We've imbued selling with this, you know, the the dirty car salesman. And that's not what selling is about. Selling is about uh, creating a pitch, right, and moving people to action. Now, you can tell me that your site is intended to move people to action, right, and that it is creating a pitch. So you are selling, <laughs> regardless of what it feels like. That's what you're doing. So we have to we have to retrain our brains and understand that selling and branding these are word these are words that have a lot of unfortunately negative connotations from our culture. We have to reconfigure our brains and uh, and realize that the same psychological principles that apply to selling an iPhone apply to moving people to support orphanages to support uh, the underserved. I love right? it. Same love thing. It.
0: I think that's a great place to end. And uh, appreciate all the time that you spent with us here today.
1: Absolutely, Jess. Thank you so okay, much. Bye.
0: That was part two of our interview. If you missed part one, please go back an episode and download the episode before this one for the first half of the interview. As always, please check iCollective.co for show notes of things referenced during the interview and to learn more about our guest. And if you're interested, we'd love to have you learn more about the Cherry Child Rescue. Go to the menu page on iCollective and click on Child Rescue. Thanks so much.
1: Now is the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25
0: gallons per household. See store for details.